0: I'm Shannon
1: and I'm Alex and I'm Jim and this is Topic Lords the radio show on the internet where we talk about topics and you listen to it. Alex would would you like to briefly introduce yourself or perhaps plug something?
2: I am a guy named Alex. You probably have never met me but you should check out the fruit oranges like from trees.
1: They're delicious. Oh you've heard of them? I, I I mean, I have. I can vouch for oranges being one of the better citrus fruits. Oh, I'm man. not a fan. No. Oh, is it because of orange soda?
0: Yeah, orange soda, um and orange flavored uh pills for car sickness when I was a kid.
1: Ooh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that'll that'll do it.
0: I'm Shannon. I'm an unemployed attorney who hates oranges. And I'm putting my foot down.
2: All right. And we've already started off with some hot controversy. <laughs>
1: Uh, both of you guys were also prominent in the um, Frog Fractions 2 ARG.
0: Oh, yeah. That's true. I was a time traveler. I drove a getaway car. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. All right, you guys ready to start in on some topics? Heck
2: yeah. Let's
1: do it. All right. All right, Shannon, you have here a question. What if people propagated like plants? Ooh, Would you like to say a few words about this?
0: Yeah, so like in case people don't know what propagation is, um, certain types of plants, namely succulents, but also a couple of other plants, do this thing where they basically just, cl- like, if you break off a leaf or cut the stem, which is called beheading, um, they'll just just grow a new whole plant from the leaf. Uh, they just clone themselves. So... I think that's crazy. And when I first learned it, it totally weirded me out. And I have some plants from my grandmother that are clones of her plants from, you know, decades ago and wouldn't it be weird?
1: So, I think I think what would happen is instead of what is it like 40% of men on the planet being related to Genghis Khan, 40% of people would just be Genghis Khan
0: <laughs> pretty much because whoever well that that's the question too cuz they'd be clones right but would they be the same entity or would they be different entities like are we talking a hive mind yeah.
1: or not do do memories
2: come across ooh i've never asked the propagated cactus this question i'm going to have to go do that after the show
0: <laughs> i bet you there's some science on whether or not to the extent plants can have memory right Um, but they do definitely, I mean, they definitely clone. Like if you, if you take a, I have ghost plants that if you take a ghost plant from one that, uh, is not variegated, it doesn't have different colors. It will be a solid color one. And if you take it from one that has multiple colors, it will be a multicolored one. So, I mean, if you had to cut off a body part to do this. So
2: let me hit you with this though. Oh no. Think about the tooth fairy.
0: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I forgot kids lose their teeth. Oh my god, wait, how many teeth are in a human skull? That's
1: like 30 something, right? It's it's lo- it's less for kids. Okay, it's okay. less for kids. It's like 20 maybe.
0: But that's still like 20 extra kids you, you will have.
1: <laughs> and each of them is going to drop teeth too. Oh, oh no. no. Is it just people though? cuz i'm thinking
2: now about like sharks, right? They no. get they got so many teeth and like sometimes they'll bite something and it'll get away, but they'll leave a tooth like stuck in there and now they're like this thing got away but now the shark has followed them and now they have this little baby shark to take care of.
0: I think it's just people.
1: <laughs> oh, it's the it's the shark's new mom.
0: <laughs> Basically i think it'd be really bad. I i
1: well we would have to come up with a bunch of processes like you don't just keep those teeth around. You have to like you have to, you destroy, have to destroy them. Yeah. It's like a zombie
2: movie.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. Or else it come out and like, yeah. I, well, I suspect we would make propagation.
1: Like barber shops would all have incinerators in the back,
0: right? And it'd have to be <laughs> illegal unless you, you know, were legally authorized to do it. Like if you had a plan for this child version of yourself. Right. making I, I wonder if you would be considered its parent or not
1: it's also like these things probably aren't gonna grow to uh adult size on their own like a human baby needs to be nurtured for a long time before it's it's viable mm-hmm. so like your hundreds of hairs that you cut off in the Hundreds or thousands, I guess, you cut off in, your, in the barbershop. They're not all going to reach viability on their own. They would need to each be individually cared for.
2: Well, I was about to say hairs don't have any living cells, so maybe we could restrict it to living cells. But then I was thinking about skin cells that you shed,
0: like, all the time. <laughs> so here's the thing. Right. It can't just be on if we're looking back at succulents, right? It's not any part of the succulent. Like if you take a leaf and you cut off the tip of it, that won't grow. You have to take the whole leaf. So I think it's fair to say that we're talking about like fingers here. I mean, something that is a unit because you have to take the whole leaf and then it has to, I mean, it literally leeches energy from that leaf to form a new little plant. So, Oh, this is disgusting. So you'd cut off a finger, and then like a baby would grow at the base of the finger. I don't like this question
1: or, anymore. <laughs> like a, a homunculus made entirely of fingers.
0: Well, oh man, that would be. Well, so what it looks like on the plant is it'll be the leaf, but then at the base of the leaf, what starts growing is a full like a uh, a full plant, like a full head with multiple leaves. So. Right. Maybe
2: so, a hand. <laughs> so, maybe, so you cut off the finger. And like when you do this with a plant, the first thing to come out is like the necessary plant part. So it starts with like roots and like whatever the trunk kind of thing is. So with a human, it's going to start like an embryo. It's going to be like mm-hmm. a finger with a butt. And then like
0: <laughs> Why a, butt?
2: a finger with a spine and a butt.
1: Yeah. A butt the the finger can't. Like, the finger needs to excrete waste. If there's no butt, it's just going to build up in there. Pretty much every animal starts with the butt. Fun fact.
0: So another (laughs) terrible thing I haven't mentioned about propagation is that the place where you cut the leaf off, a new plant grows there too. Oh, no. So really, pretty much every time you take a leaf off, you get two new plants in its wake.
1: So you're saying, like, if you cut off my finger, not only would a new gym grow out of the finger, but a second gym would grow out of my stump.
0: Yes. Oh, no. That is exactly what I'm saying. You would not get your finger back. You would get a whole new gym.
1: So I didn't know before you explained that propagation was a term of art. I thought this was just going to be, we're going to talk about how, like, what if humans dropped seeds? This is way
0: better (laughs) Yeah, this got way darker. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore.
1: <laughs> okay, we can move on to the next topic. All right. All right, Alex, I don't know how to pronounce this. Mm. Uh, you have here aphantasia and technical work. Yeah. All right. Is that right? Is that how you pronounce it?
2: Yeah, probably. You're probably the okay. first person I've ever heard say it out loud, so I'm going to All right. It All right, so aphantasia, you can probably... If you guess some Latin roots, imagine that it is a Fantasia as in not Fantasia. Do
0: you know what it is, Jim?
1: No, I've never heard this term. Would
0: you care to guess?
1: I would guess it's the, I I, I don't know the Latin root Fantasia. I I would guess that it is the inability to sense a certain thing.
2: Oh yeah, pretty much. So the idea is the inability to form mental images of things. Okay, sure. And I was just pondering this because I was like, Shannon and I are kind of on opposite ends of this spectrum of ability to form mental pictures of things, like specifically not just like concepts in your head, but like a visual representation of things. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, we were like chatting around with random people and I was talking with a bunch of my friends and noticed that like a bunch of my friends in technical jobs... Tend to be worse at it and a bunch of my friends in non technical jobs, not so much. So I just thought that was kind of weird.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting pattern. It's so it's there's definitely a spectrum here, and it's easy, like so I feel like I'm probably kind of in the middle. Um, and it's really easy for me to say, Well, yeah, you can't see see things in your images in your head, but nobody can really see images in your head. But so, it sounds like Shannon really can. <laughs> it it yeah. sounds like like people on the, the other end of the spectrum can like very vividly imagine a scene or a
0: an image. Why don't we do an example? How about you uh, Please. come up with something for Alex and I to imagine and we'll describe what, the image we see in our head.
1: Okay. Um, an elephant standing on one foot wearing a beret and and singing the the well, what's that guy's name the the good gremlin from the gremlins movie singing that guy's song
2: well fortunately i don't have to imagine what the song looks like cuz i don't know that song okay all right well my first point is you've probably exceeded the number of concepts i can hold in my head for an image but like I can imagine maybe, like, a cartoon elephant, kind of, with... It's probably got four legs, and, like, Mm -hmm. it's probably a gray color, primarily. And it's probably got some kind of a floppy hat that's maybe a darker color. And, like, maybe it's got its mouth open. And that's about as far as I can get with that. Like, a simple cartoon drawing, maybe...
1: And, and you were saying you're, you have this picture in your head. Um,
2: yeah, I can kind of imagine what it would look like. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: So this elephant, um, it is kind of cartoonish. It's in kind of the style of Disney's Dumbo. Initially, when you said an elephant, it was photorealistic elephant. But as soon as you started giving it non-elephant like characteristics, it morphed into a cartoony elephant. Um, naturally it's on its back, right leg. Its other legs are out akimbo, like it is balancing and it is wobbling to keep its balance. I also added that it's on a ball for some reason. I don't know why. I just decided (laughs) to put a ball there. Um, it is in the savannah. It's a pretty nice day. Uh, the sun is high. Um, there's some of those, like, savannah-y trees in the background, but mostly just brush. Um, he is wearing a beret. The beret is black. Um... And it is kind of like on the like edge of one of his ears, like at the top, kind of like hung on that. But it's a human-sized beret on this elephant. Um, his trunk is kind of lifted up towards the air. He has his mouth open. And it's doing that thing where, like, you can see down and the little uvula is shaking. <laughs> and since I have no idea what song you're talking about, he's going, la, 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 la. That's...
1: Okay, I'm impressed.
0: So that's not usually the example that's given. Maybe a a clearer one was, I I remember once in a room of people, we we were asked, think of a sphere and everybody else, or no, I think it was think of a cube. I can't remember. But somebody had like red cube with lines indicating it's a cube on a white background. And mine was like instantly in my mind a cube sitting on a table with light hitting it from a certain side casting a shadow and like I could describe everything about the scene and that all comes to me in an instant.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure what we were going to get out of this exercise because like one of the things that you do when you're not capable of doing something is you learn to compensate for it in other ways and so like I could imagine someone who with a complete inability to picture a scene in their head Just being able to come up with a description of a scene, like to invent details, but the the scene you painted with words was pretty vivid and I don't think you're trying to fool us, but it it sounded like you were describing something as opposed to making it up.
0: The images come very fast. And I've actually had issues sometimes when reading books, for example. Um, I can remember distinctly being very frustrated at one of the Harry Potter books, because it was in the fourth book when Harry is going through the maze. And the book would detail whether he turned right or left. Um, But my brain was a lot faster at coming up with the imagery. So it would say he came to a corner and I'd automatically imagine him turning left. And then the book would say he turned right. And I'd be like, oh, you just messed it up. And now I have to backtrack and like fix it. And I, I hate it when books don't describe what characters look like until later. I'd rather they just either describe them up front or don't describe them at all. Because the instant you name a character, I have made a picture of them in my head.
1: That's fascinating. Yeah. That, that's a very specific. Like, I, I do think you're almost certainly like on the on the far end of the spectrum here because I haven't heard other people make that same complaint.
0: So it was it was very confusing to me the first time I heard about this. The concept just blew my mind that someone would not have this happen. Um, and yeah, it just sort of I found it very odd, but I feel like Alex can hold concepts in his head in a very different way than I can Mm -hmm. and potentially in a way that's more useful.
2: That was actually the second thing I wanted to say about this. As Jim, you mentioned earlier how people who can't do something might come up with a way to compensate for it. And I was thinking about that. And like, yeah, when I'm thinking about a drawing, like if I have to describe a A scene in my head, I'll like mentally zoom in on it and be like, well, you know, what's an elephant's mouth look like? Well, it's probably got some teeth in there or whatever. And I'll imagine some teeth in that order. Right. Yeah. But this is actually very useful for my job. I'm a software engineer in like an office and whatever. I spend a lot of time thinking about code. Code doesn't look like anything. So, being able but I'm good at thinking about things in terms of their relationship to each other and their like core concepts and things like that, which doesn't yeah. have a visual representation. And every time somebody asks me to draw it on the whiteboard, I kind of look at them like I don't even know how to begin this process, but I can hold them right. all in my head. And I just thought that was like kind of interesting.
1: And also the, the process of building software, um, at least the way I do it, is very much you um you zoom in on, on certain things. You, like, you have you have a piece of the big picture, but you have to zoom in in order to build that tiny piece of it first before you can come back out. What about music? What about sound? Can you, like, how are you at, at envisioning music?
0: I mean, I usually create an entire music video in my head. Okay. Like, I do a whole... A whole thing. It, there is a, definitely a visual that goes along with pretty much every song I listen to.
2: But for me, music has no visual component whatsoever. And just the whole concept that it might seems very alien to me.
1: No, I, I, just, I just meant, no, I'm, I'm imagining the audio. I mean, like, can you hear a trumpet in your head, for example?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. I kind of know what it sounds like in the same way that I know what like cinnamon tastes like.
1: Right. And could you hear like, uh, I don't know, uh, a big, big band ensemble in your head? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: These things are just happening to me as you are saying it. So apparently.
2: Right. I- but what you made me think about when you asked me that was like, I played piano for, I don't know, eight years or something. And I got like reasonably good at it. I never really learned how to read music, though which turns out was because I could sort of hear something once and kind of memorize what I would call its shape, which is sort of the pattern the notes make on the page without really reading them, which is kind of hard to explain because it doesn't have anything to do with the real shape of it. Like I don't imagine the shape on the paper per se, but I kind of know that my fingers have to move in these directions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's very easy. Like if you're a, a bright kid to really screw yourself In a learning process where, like, you find the easy way to do something and it turns out it's not sustainable long term. And if the teacher doesn't realize what's happening.
0: Yeah. I'm remembering how I did uh, addition and multiplication tables by counting on my fingers And of course, there's a limited amount you can do with your fingers. But then I was like, well, I I also have joints. I'll just count all of those. And then I'll just count (laughs) between the joints and I'll count the lines. And then I'll just start counting other body parts. And so I, I relied on that for a very long time.
1: That sounds like you've just reinvented the abacus.
0: Pretty much, but with my body.
1: Right. Wow. Are you guys ready for the next topic? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I wanted to talk about um cherries and fruit cocktail. so you, you got, so fruit cocktail for the for the benefit of any listeners who might not be familiar with this, is a canned food stuff, chopped up fruit bits preserved in a syrup, a light syrup. It's usually like pears and peaches. And it's very like homogenous, like everything tastes like basically like the syrup as opposed to like the fruit that it was. And it's all very homogenous color-wise as well. It's kind of like orange and beige-ish, but every once in a while, like usually a couple of times per can, they have um, a bit of cherry, which is, again, it tastes the same, but it's bright red and it's there to make you feel lucky that you got the cherry to like, Oh yeah, I, I am. I get to eat this special treat just every once in a while in this delicious, it's like if they put, if they, they turn the slot machine into a food. Oh man. And, um, I saw recently, uh, someone eating fruit cocktail with extra cherries where they had just like quintupled the number of cherries in the can and it's it's just it feels like it's so luxurious, like I'm sure there's no difference in manufacturing cost, and it's probably not sustainable because to get the same effect, you'd have to keep just adding more and more cherries to it, and eventually you're like, "Oh, it's all cherries now, oops, all cherries
0: <laughs> were they yeah. selling it at a markup
1: uh i didn't I didn't see that I didn't see whether that was true or not, but you can like if you are um manufacturing scarcity, you can really like. I imagine th- this is the sort of thing that like that mobile games do now where they will, they will make a tiny tweak to like, like loot drop percentages and measure which one of them makes them more money. Um, and I'm, I'm imagining like the fruit cocktail manufacturers doing the same thing with like, what if we added 0.5% more cherries? Are people, are people going to buy more of this can? And what they're not realized, what they're not able to measure is what does that do to their long term income where people like realize oh this is uh is this more cherries again? Ugh
0: let me just say if I was eating fruit cocktail I would already be miserable. And if I found a cherry in it, I would be more miserable.
1: <laughs> oh so for you the cherry makes it worse.
0: Yeah. Syrup cherries are terrible.
2: Well I'll be sure to eat yours for you. I'm I'm a sucker for this marketing ploy. Like I'd be down with that 40% more cherries or whatever.
0: How can anyone like syrup-coated cherries? That's what I don't understand.
1: Well, they're delicious for one. That's
2: That helps a lot. That's also number two, it turns out. How do you get over <laughs> the smell, though? They
0: smell awful.
1: I- they smell like almonds.
0: Oh, there it is. I hate <laughs> almonds.
1: <laughs> is, do you actually...
0: Yes, I cannot stand almond flavoring or almond smell. Almonds themselves yeah. are fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's almond extract, right?
0: Yep, not okay.
1: This is something that I read about recently, and I probably should have I probably should have brought this up when Elena was on a couple of episodes ago because she was the one who told me about it or explained like what was actually going on. Um, I was weirded out when I realized that maraschino cherries are flavored with almond extract. Yep, hate them. Um, it's like what? What does that have to do with cherries? Uh, it turns out that um, almond is the almond is the pit of a cherry-like fruit that is otherwise not really delicious. Mm. Um, and they used to make cherry, maraschino cherries just by letting the um, the the pit of the cherry um, the the extract of that seep out into the flavor of the of the cherry itself. But the the pit of the cherry in large quantities is toxic. Yeah, and So, they switched over to um, this other very similar flavor that was not toxic. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's cool.
0: That actually explains a lot about why I don't like them. Yeah. It was almond extract all along.
1: Who solved the murder.
0: This has been educational. I I still think that, yeah, I'm probably with you on the... They might be diluting their market there. Um. I'd be very curious to know if they're charging more for the extra cherry versions. Um,
2: they put little NFC tags in the cans so that when you pick up the extra cherry one, they get a counter goes up in some marketing room somewhere.
1: Yeah. If you get a cherry achievement for eating (laughs) 5,000 of them, you get a little (laughs) badge in the mail.
2: Yeah. You need a leaderboard.
1: It really just, everything just points back to games. Um, I had played a Guitar Hero game. This was like, I don't know, 2009. Uh, I think it was Guitar Hero Warriors of something. Anyway, it was the one where you could unlock special power-ups that would allow you to do things like get star multipliers, eventually getting to the point where like, instead of getting up to five stars per song, you could get up to 40 stars per song.
2: Dang, (laughs) that's some star inflation.
1: And it was really like... It was a really powerful trick because like for five or six Guitar Hero games and also the Rock Band series, which I had also been playing, five stars was just a hard limit. You couldn't do, you could do gold stars in Rock Band, but like it's still five of them and having 40 stars felt like, it felt like cheating. It felt like we just blew the roof off the place. Yeah. And like, well, of course you can't do that again next game. What are you going to go back to five again? That's for chumps.
2: So now they're up to 3,000 stars per song is
1: what I'm hearing. They stopped making Guitar Hero games, presumably because they couldn't figure out how to solve this problem.
2: So what you're suggesting is that there's not going to be any more fruit cocktail in three years because it's going to be 3,000% cherries, and there's not going to be anywhere to go from there.
0: What if they just start selling jars of of maraschino cherries?
1: (laughs) We cannot release this episode anymore. It's it's too dangerous now.
0: (laughs) This is deadly information.
1: Uh, you guys ready for the next topic? Hit yeah, hit me. So this is a write-in from a listener. Mike asks, what is the most famous meal of the day? Breakfast. You think it's breakfast? You think it's because of uh, Big Breakfast marketing it?
0: I think specifically it's because of the like targeted at... At least our generation, targeted at kids' ads of how important breakfast is. Oh yeah. The most important that, that, meal of the,
1: day. the most important meal. That was that was invented by Kellogg's, wasn't it, that phrase? Yeah, I think so.
0: I think it just has really good marketing and would thus be the most famous.
2: I think we Yeah. I think we need to think about what our metric is for the most famous meal of the day. Like I I can't think of One food that is universally eaten at breakfast. Like, breakfast seems like the most diverse meal in my travels that nobody does the same way. That's a lie. What's, what do you got? What do you got
0: for me? Okay. I mean, if you're comparing breakfast to lunch or dinner, breakfast is way more homogenous than than either of the other two. I mean, dinner is like infinite possibilities, even on a global scale, whereas breakfast tends to be just more simple.
1: I can certainly think of a bunch of foods that are like, like pancakes. You you wouldn't need a pancake at dinner. That would be ridiculous. For sure. Or waffles or like cold cereal or oatmeal. Like there's a lot of foods that are canonically breakfast foods. Unjust, unjustly so, I would argue. Yeah. Okay.
0: But you've but, never heard lunch for dinner? No, okay. it's always breakfast for dinner and people get excited when there's breakfast on the menu outside of the breakfast window. Like But also
1: people like get weirded out if you eat pizza for breakfast or hot dogs. Like I I think the barrier goes both ways. Interesting. But interesting.
0: I think that still lends to breakfast being the most famous.
1: It's it's special. It is a uh, It is definitely like the most codified meal in terms of maybe what's happening here is that lunch and dinner both kind of share a lot of characteristics. And so anything you eat for lunch, you could also hypothetically eat for dinner and vice versa. And so breakfast simply merely because there are so many rules about it, special cases, maybe that's what makes it so loom so large in our minds.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I totally buy your argument. I was thinking of it the opposite way, uh, though, which is in the which is I totally buy that for the United States. But I'm thinking about like when I go to Austria, they don't eat mm. cold cereal and pancakes and whatever. They have like a whole nother ball game. And every time I go to some other continent, it's a completely different story. Like Japan, you wouldn't see any of that. Although I guess Japan's pretty weird cuisine okay. anyway. But, but
0: even so, every Oh Well, I can't say everywhere, but many places you go in the world, they'll have lots of different options for dinner, lots of different options for lunch, but only a few that are, these are breakfast foods. These are what you eat in the morning. Like, I can think of what was, you know, the Japanese breakfast and what was the Austrian breakfast and what was these various breakfasts in different worlds or part of the world. But there's, they all have that similarity of there is a food you eat for breakfast for some reason.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right. Yeah, I'm sold.
1: I, I, I do think that we can't fairly judge like what is the most famous meal of the day in Austria. Mm. Like we just don't have oh, the yeah, information. Have- yeah. Now I really want to see like an infographic where every state or every country has printed on it. It's most, the most famous meal of the day in that state or country.
2: Well, you got like, you go on Wikipedia, you can see like the state capital, the state bird, the state flower. Now we got state breakfast.
0: Yeah. I've seen both of these country by country, but only ever for breakfast. Ooh, that's another good data point. Yeah. I've seen like image sets that are like breakfast in various parts of the world, but I've never seen one similarly for dinner or lunch. I
2: think we cracked this one
1: wide open. You're welcome, Mike, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Um, next topic. Uh, Alex, you have here best smoothie ingredients. Oh,
2: yeah. I'm just like, I was having a smoothie and being like, man, what would be the ultimate smoothie? What do you like to mm-hmm. put in your smoothies? And maybe if you weren't bound by conventions or cost, what oh. would be the best smoothie?
1: All right. I've got mine. I, I, I want to save it for last because it's going to be the best one. So mm-hmm. you guys go first.
0: I mean, I'm I'm old school. What goes in is bananas, orange juice, or orange juice concentrate, and frozen strawberries. That's it. Okay. Just fruit, pure fruit. None of that other.
1: Not putting in yogurt. I'm
0: not putting it in yogurt. I'm not putting it in milk. I'm not putting it in ice cream. I've seen people do that or sorbet. Ridiculous. Straight fruit smoothie. Simple, perfect, original. I can respect
2: that. Except I take issue when you said just fruit, you put in juice. I used to make these smoothies where I just went into my freezer and got frozen fruit and dumped it in there and ended up with this solid that I had to get out of there with a spoon. And part two of this question was, at what point does it stop being a smoothie and start being sorbet? <laughs> and does that matter? Because it's delicious.
0: Honestly, the ones I had were mostly with orange juice concentrate, and they were thick. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, that sounds good. That's I a like good compromise. Thick boys. Yeah. What about you, Jim?
1: I'm not really a, a fruit smoothie guy, but... Um, I've long had this desire to, this, this came out of a similar question where Elena had asked me um, if you could take any cuisine and reimagine the fast food industry around it uh, in, instead of hamburgers, what would it be? And I was thinking like what I would love to see is a fast food uh, curry, Indian curry. Nice. Um, and the advantage of a of a hamburger is that it's a sandwich you can eat it while walking or driving one handed, um, and so I was trying to imagine how would you like make a, a tikka tikka masala like chicken tikka masala uh, be a one handed operation. And mm. what they actually do is they make samosas, you know, okay. they make like, like the equivalent of hot pockets, yeah. But um, yeah. okay. But what I want to do is a, uh, I, I want to see a smoothie form of cur- Indian curry. Like So you just take the curry, put rice or naan in there, and you run it through a food processor so that it would fit through a boba straw. I was thinking that.
0: I was wondering about that part, yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. That'd be a big straw.
0: Oof! Are there little tiny I- chunks of chicken and little tiny chunks of veggies that you can suck up through the boba straw?
1: yeah that's that that would have to be part of the experience. I want like Maybe a one inch
0: straw.
2: diameter straw. <laughs> I want to be mainlining this thing in three seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's really challenging. I dig that
0: before you open the food cart, you should probably do some uh some test runs. well, and there's the
1: problem of like how do you get it so that the non doesn't just like completely become become completely disgusting in seconds.
2: Maybe it's like an ice cream cone where the cup is made out of naan and you drink it all through the straw and you just kind of like ball it up at the end and scarf it down.
1: Make the straw itself be made of naan.
2: Yeah. We're reducing our plastic pollution
1: that way. I like that. (laughs) Are you guys ready for the next thing?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Shannon, you have here participating in religious ceremonies that aren't your religion. This is a um, good segue from what we talked about last episode where April discussed inventing secular rituals for children because Hmm. she grew up Lutheran and is now atheist. And so she misses all the little fun community things you would do at church.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm basically atheist agnostic and I,
1: Oh, I should clarify. I think of her as an atheist, but she is agnostic.
0: Yeah. I fall somewhere in that line. Um, but I have in my life, participated in a significant number of religious ceremonies that were not mine and sometimes accidentally did parts of them that I probably wasn't supposed to do. And, you know, kind of, I had that experience, especially when I was, when I was young and I was, uh, you know, I had a lot of friends who were very Christian and very concerned about this rather their parents were very concerned about this little girl who was friends with their kids who clearly didn't know who Jesus was. Um, And so I ended up going to Catholic church, Lutheran church, uh, Baptist church on a fairly regular rotating basis. And also occasionally Jewish synagogue And then as an adult, I've done a fair amount of just, like, I don't know, going and visiting mosques and talking to people or, you know, sitting in on a Shinto religious ceremony um, or various things like that. And it's always just struck me as a very odd experience to, like, be involved in that while while not believing in it or quite knowing what to do.
2: I haven't done it. I've been on some of those same trips that you were talking about, but I didn't have that same experience growing up. And I always thought it would be kind of fun if I had an excuse, like perhaps a small child, to go and and do that same kind of rotation and go mix it up, go to a bunch of churches, go to some, you know, get a bunch of religions represented, not just Christianity, since those are, you know, they're not all the same, but they're also variations on the same kind of book for the most part not entirely you guys could take renly to church i don't think he's gonna that's, get very much out of it
0: okay I'm also not sure they'd let him in most places actually that's a great
2: point a lot of religions are not big on dogs
0: you know I, i've been doing this a bit vicariously through a podcast that i'm now going to recommend which is oh no ross and carrie uh, mm-hmm. where the the hosts do exactly this they've they basically go to a bunch of various uh, religious and non-religious organizations that have different beliefs and uh, learn about it and then share it. Um, And they've done like Mormons, Seventh-day Adventists, Scientology, um, Christian science, a bunch of different interesting ones. Uh, And I, I don't know, it's been really kind of, I find it fascinating just to learn about what everyone else believes. And yeah. I don't think that I really got that most of the time when I was at these places. Um, especially growing up, it was more just you go and you try to follow along as best you can, but nobody really explains anything to you or, right. you know, it, like I definitely, not-
1: there's not really an onboarding, uh, uh- Process
0: Right, which is weird, because, like, isn't that kind of the point? Like, you're supposed to proselytize, right? At least in some religions. Some religions.
1: Yeah, I I, I think a lot of religions don't really care about that.
0: True. But at least in, in the various Christian ones I went to, I very much got the sense of, like, I was the weird outsider atheist kid that showed up sometimes. And I got this kind of, I don't know what other word to use. This isn't quite the right word, but like second class treatment. Uh, more just like a you are not initiated treatment. Um, And it was very hard for me to know what I was allowed to do and what I wasn't. But there were literally times when they would like need an extra altar kid to like carry the cross down and they'd be like here put on these robes and carry a cross down and be part of the service and i would do it because like whatever that's what the adults were telling (laughs) me to do um and i don't know i just i just thought it was a kind of a weird uh experience and i i just wonder like I I don't know. I feel like maybe, maybe that's a good way to go with kids trying out a bunch of different things. Um, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, I I do think that, well, first of all, I think it's, um, having a small child is a fantastic excuse (laughs) to get out and do a bunch of exciting of stuff that you would normally be too lazy to do. Like it's, it's actually kind of amazing for that. And I'm, um really glad for that aspect of Winston being in my life um and i do think like the idea of taking him to observe a bunch of different cultures religious ceremonies is a super interesting one like even if it's just from a anthropolo- anthropological perspective i um i have done a little bit of the church hopping thing like i i mean in a sense like because i was never catholic even when you know my grandmother took me to mass on Christmas Eve, uh, even that was kind of a, the, basically it was like me kind of observing what was happening in, in some alien religion. Um, but I remember things like, I didn't know how to take communion. So I like, I got in the line and as I got up to the guy who gives you the piece of bread. Like I did something wrong and he just kind of shook his head sadly at me and I walked away. I
0: had that exact experience. Uh-oh. They shook their head sadly at me and they did draw a cross on my forehead and say a little thing. And it was sort of like, you are not one of us and yeah. I hope you're okay. Wow.
1: <laughs> was it an upside down cross?
0: <laughs> no, fortunately they did it right side up. Yes, I distinctly remember being completely unclear on whether I was allowed to take communion or not.
1: My understanding is that once you take communion, they have to accept you. Like, you are you are at that point a Christian, oh. and they can't get rid of you. Oh
0: boy, well, oh. I definitely snuck it in a couple of times when they didn't know who I was. So, What's... I remember, too, sitting in on this uh, Shinto ceremony, which I was not prepared for, because it turns out you have to kneel for like, two hours while they chant a lot. Oh, yeah, like,
1: Japanese people just kneel. They can
0: just like do it, for, like, forever. Yeah. So this is a problem for me as an American, because my legs fall asleep when I kneel. Also,
1: apparently, Americans don't know how to squat.
0: I have a squatty potty for this. <laughs> but I, my legs fell asleep, and, I mean, all the way asleep. Like, I couldn't feel all the way up to my thigh. It was kind of terrifying. Right. Uh, but then all of a sudden, the, the ceremony shifted from sit perfectly still to suddenly get up and come up here and do a thing. Uh, so they suddenly were like, come forward. So I stood up and my legs didn't work and I fell down and my butt hit the head of a woman behind me. And I just like crumpled to the floor and it was so embarrassing. But I really wish somebody had warned me that I was going to have to use these legs again (laughs) because I would have been (laughs) shifting around and getting them warmed up. Yeah, I feel
2: like the ideal way to experience new like religious ceremonies, among other things, would be to have kind of a local guide or at Mm -hmm. least a translator (laughs) who can give you a heads up
0: it's better to kind of know approximately what is expected of you before you go in, in my experience. You have a background in like Judaism a little bit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. In my family, we did um, sort of the fun holidays from Christianity and Judaism. So we did Christmas and Hanukkah, and it was always very exciting when they were on the same day, which happened at at least once or twice when I was a kid That was very fun
1: I didn't realize uh, Hanukkah was a roving day
2: Yeah, it's, I mean I think it's always On the same day on the Jewish calendar But it's like Year 3000 something in the Jewish calendar And that thing moves around More than you might think I, I think it's sort of lunar based If I remember right I'm oh, it uh, Because one of the other things We did not do was go to services Of either religion Like hardly ever
0: So my family did Christmas, but we always had an artificial tree. And I distinctly remember your mother, who is the... Uh, I guess, Christian origin side of your family hmm. uh, wanting to get a real Christmas tree for Christmas and me being very excited because I'd never had a real Christmas tree before. And oh. I said in front of uh, Alex's parents, wow, I mean, I never had a real Christmas tree growing up. And Alex's dad said, yeah, neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: they... When I was a kid and around the house for Christmas, my mom was able to convince my dad that they needed a real tree every year. But as soon as I moved out, he's like, no, we're getting the fake tree.
1: (laughs) So I might start picking your brain, Alex, on how to raise a kid um, with just the good parts of religion. Because it sounds like that's what your parents were trying to do, too.
2: Yeah, I think so. Like, they're... I wouldn't say they were anti-religion. They're like, I don't think they had any particular bad experiences. They're just like, it's more trouble than it's worth. But still, right. we got to do, We you know, we got the whole family gets together on Easter and we hang out and we eat. Well, whatever, usually not <laughs> Easter food. But
0: there's not a lot that compares to the community aspect of church, though, as far as like a greater community. Um, yeah, I know that there are some places that are just trying to kind of start up uh, secular churches, or there's a number of places that do, you know, churches specifically for people who are now atheist, but miss the community of church. Yeah. Right. Definitely something to be said for that community and like having a go-to large group of people that you can ask for help on things and they'll deliver. I feel like that's something that society is missing a lot. And, um, And there's not really uh, a lot of other options for that.
1: I think atheism is just starting to kind of come into the mainstream in the U.S. And maybe in a couple of generations, we'll start figuring out how to get back the things we lost by doing that. Yeah, maybe so.
0: I hope so. Um, I'm worried that we won't because I'm worried. I feel like a lot of people, especially people who were Hurt by their experiences in the church and and shifted as a result of that, um, tend to just reject everything about it. Uh,
1: yeah, well, this is something I talked about last episode too. Like mm. most atheists, atheists I know are reactionary atheists, meaning they define themselves as like not the people they hate. You know, yeah, not and so they they are trying to avoid every aspect of it. Mm.
2: Yeah, I yeah. think I think it needs to be opt in, not opt out. If you're trying to build any kind of meaningful community, yeah,
0: I got a taste of that kind of communityness when um, my my aunt and uncle are, are missionaries, and they've done missionary work in a number of different countries. Um, and for uh, many years, they lived in Ecuador, uh, down right on the edge of the Amazon, doing uh, missions where they would fly. Uh, people but also medications in and out of the really remote parts of the jungle where people live and it's very hard to to get in and out of there other than by plane um but they also you know have a little missionary compound that has existed there since before the town existed there um and they have uh, an orphanage that they run through the program and, and various things like that as well. So I I went down there for a, a mm, slightly over a month and lived in the compound. And there was just that um, it was it was a particularly interesting time because it was during the um, the the earthquake in Haiti. Um, that was so destructive. So almost all of the men were gone because they were all the pilots and they were down in Haiti doing uh, rescue work and, and stuff down there. So it was basically just a ton of women and a ton of children living in a compound in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> wow. And I, and it was just very like your neighbors right over there, just walk over and help them out kind of a scenario. Um, And there was also this very much an assumption that I was a Christian. Uh, I had a lot of awkward conversations with people uh, based on this assumption, but the community aspect of it was really cool. There was something really nice about just like having a bunch of people really close that you could rely on and talk to and share resources with, and, you know, watch kids for each other. I, I can't tell you how many babies I babysat. So many babies. Um, yeah. And, and, um, I don't know. It, it was, it was a very interesting experience. And, and, um, and it was also an experience where despite the, like, none of the people there were from the same walk of Christianity. They all had very, very different concepts of what Christianity should look like. Um, I remember in particular, there was one guy who was convinced that there was a man who was possessed by the devil and needed an exorcism. And the majority of everybody else did not agree (laughs) that (laughs) that exorcisms were a thing. Um, And yet, despite that, they all were very keyed in on, but we live together in this community and we help each other, even though they disagreed on many, many, many very... Uh, kind of core, what I would consider core beliefs. Um, so I don't know. It, it was just interesting, uh, an odd experience, and and definitely. I mean, I came away with that kind of wanting to convert because it was so nice. <laughs> so
1: yeah, just- I mean, this is something that like we kind of did to ourselves after World War II when every family could afford to own their own house that was like fenced off from their neighbor, Mm -hmm. like a separate living space. Whereas before that, like as far as I know, people lived in larger communal families and shared resources. And like, if you had a kid, um, everybody in the family would, would share, watch, would taking care of the kid. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense.
0: Yeah. That was definitely the vibe there. And like the school was, you know, a short walk, I mean, literally, like a couple hundred feet from the house that I was staying at, and yeah, and and, and there was a bunch of sharing of like, uh, like my uncle is a very good woodworker, so he would um, he would go fit new cabinets and like revamp all these various houses and stuff. So I don't know, it's just sort of fascinating. And I feel like we are like missing some of that community in in our modern lives that that I hope we can eventually get back. And I I think people are trying to, with the various sort of uh, communal living situations that you see um, people kind of trying out and, and everybody looks on them as though they're weird or unusual, but I really feel like they're the norm that we strayed away from.
1: I think one of the reasons people look back with so, so fondly on living in a dorm is that you're living with a bunch of friends
0: I mean, we, have, we, we live in a situation where we have a bunch of duplexes that are all in the same complex. Um, but uh, of the, what are there, like eight units? We are in one, two of our friends are in another. Um, your mother is in a third and, uh, and then our new neighbor, who's also named Alex, we've befriended and kind of started having dinners with too. And the group of us share dinner rotations, um, share tools, uh, yeah. out with each other on a regular basis. And it's wonderful, but many of our friends jokingly call us a cult. Um, it, <laughs> yep. it's become the thing where the rock street cult.
1: I feel like what you have is a, a really nice compromise because you do each have your own living space. Yeah. And like you have the, especially like if you grew up in the United States, you probably expect like, this is how you're supposed to live is you have your own house, you have your own space that you own and have control of. Um, and, and, but then you also have, um, the, the community, but yeah, like I, I'm sympathetic to the, like, I've kind of been leery of any kind of in crowd my whole life, basically. Mm. Like I, you know, we'll see people hanging out in a group and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know about that. (laughs) And, and so like, I kind of like, I kind of get where the, the, Oh, it's a cult thing is coming from because anytime you have a group, you start to have group think uh, inevitably. Um, and that sort of thing is like, is I've been in enough situations where like, I see groupthink happening and I hate it and I don't know how to, how to like avert it because I'm not very, you know, socially adept. Um, and so I'm just miserable. Like I, I, that's happened to me enough that I like kind of naturally, um, just kind of avoid groups.
0: How do you find a compromise between community and not getting sucked into a cult?
1: Well, I mean, I just kind of had to suck it up and accept that, like, having a few friends that get together is not going to, like, even if they do end up having um, weird shared opinions that don't make sense, um, that's not the end of the world. You know, just live with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, you got married, right? So, you presumably spend a lot of time with one person a lot of the time, and you're cool with that. that I guess you just...
1: yeah. I'm, I'm a lot better with one-on-one and and so we ruined it by adding a third person, but it's okay because he doesn't doesn't have opinions yet. (laughs) He doesn't have opinions. That's, that's, (laughs) that is actually totally not true. He has so many opinions, but he can only express them a few ways. Okay.
0: I was, um, I was running into the groupthink thing the other day with, um, I, I follow Elena's, uh, discord channels, um, and all of her friends uh from up north uh chatting those. And yeah. There are certain conversations I like I go on the Discord channel and I feel like a baby boomer because I have <laughs> no idea what emojis are appropriate to use. <laughs> I have no
1: idea Oh yeah, this this also came up on the on the podcast where Elena went into detail about how that community uses emojis to mean something very specific. And it, it got compared to, um, Cockney rhyming slang.
0: Oh man. Yes. Did you talk about the, the deer and the chicken one?
1: Well, it it came that apple meant my apologies because apologies kind of has apple in it. That's brilliant. It's
0: so complicated, but it's very hard for me to join in any of the discussions on there because, you know, somebody will say something and I will want to, respond with the proper emoji and they have so many very specific meanings and i just look at it but uh but yeah me and me and um and two of my other friends who are not that in in with that group but who are peripherally involved in the discord we actually have our own separate chat where we go does anybody else understand what they're talking about <laughs> and try to kind well, yeah, of figure and- it out I just don't hang out with them because I I feel like I can't get in there. I mean, they speak a different language practically, and I don't know how to communicate with them because they've got this kind of closed off language where they have a bunch of keywords that mean specific things. So it's just very hard to join a discussion. So yeah. I find that difficult. I'm trying. We we definitely had a long conversation once when Elena was over at our house where we were like you need to help us with these emojis. Please explain what these <laughs> are. Um Man. and I th- I remember the the chick was um the chick hatching out of an egg was oh that's cute. Right. But the,
1: Which, the, that's intuitive. Right. That's and sensible. the
0: deer was oh dear. As in, I am concerned about you. Also and sometimes right. things are both concerning and cute. So instead of doing a chick and a deer, they made a new emoji, which is a chick coming out of the egg with antlers. <laughs> and that one is specifically for, "aw, this is cute, but I am also worried about you. Oh, dang, I and didn't they, realize
2: how deep this went.
0: Yeah, and then there's another variation on the chick deer that has, like, another animal part that means something else. It's very complicated. I'm, <laughs> I'm really digging this? It's pretty cool. Yeah. To be honest, I just... It's it's one of those things where I think it's really neat that they've come up with basically this new language, but it also makes it super hard for anyone else to join their group because right closing it off. to some extent
1: that's like a lot
2: like when you accidentally took communion and you didn't know what to do and they draw the upside down cross on your forehead
0: it wasn't an upside down
1: (laughs) whatever (laughs) it is now did we beat that
0: to a dead horse
1: yeah we we sure did you guys want to call it
0: uh unless you've got a quickie for us
2: what i added at the very end was pretty short i think or could be
1: Okay, yeah, let's do that one real quick. All right. Uh, Alex, you have here a question. Your friend works in a shower curtain factory. He offers you a free shower curtain with whatever you want printed on it. What pattern do you get?
0: Does it have to be a pattern?
2: Yeah, what, what do you got in mind?
0: I just need to know the Do you the want rules.
2: to print it out of, like, chain mail or something? It's not going to be a very good shower no, curtain. No, I mean, a but...
0: pattern is, like, a repeating Oh, no, no, no. I mean, let's say image.
2: he accidentally... Uh, he works in the shower curtain factory, right? He's got the 10-foot-wide printer or whatever. He can print whatever you want.
0: Um, An image of exactly what is behind the shower curtain.
2: I mean, I was going to go with a clear shower curtain. Except... No. So I, I have a clear shower curtain. I actually really like having a clear shower curtain because you can see if there's a murderer in your shower, you don't even have to open it. Which is pretty nice. And the light comes through I I
1: I figured good. out what pattern I want. Tell me about it. It it's it has an image of the of the the scene behind it, plus there's a murderer.
0: Yeah, that's what oh, I was gonna finish with, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wanna get you know those novelty t-shirts? Where it's like a plain white shirt, except it's got the like hyper sexualized woman in a bikini body and your head sticks out the top of her neck. I want right. a clear shower curtain with the bikini bod on it. <laughs> okay. And you could get it. like the tuxedo one and the bikini one and, and just like and one. The different ones. Yeah. That's pretty and good. You can
1: take all these selfies where like, oh yeah, I'm the kind of person who wears a tux into the shower. Yeah. My actual answer is um I want a series of shower curtains Ooh. that are all the books that I want to read but don't have time for <laughs> Oh man Very good. Yeah.
2: No, because he works in the factory, right? He's got like the stock of like 100 feet of shower curtain roll. You could just make one that you have to scroll like end to end with a big crank.
0: Oh, nice. And so you're in there, you're reading,
2: you motorize it, it scrolls past you. So you can't wash your hair because you got to keep reading. Yeah, I dig it.
0: (laughs) Could just be the Dr. Bronner's Uh, soap label over and over.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. Just hire that guy, whoever wrote that, to just like type into one end. And that printer prints out a fresh one every time you go in. And it just keeps going the whole time.
1: All right, you guys. I think that wraps it up for this episode of Topic Lords. Thanks for being on.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: I feel more lordly already. Congratulations.
0: And I'm more ladylike.
1: Oh, that's not allowed. You can't be a lady on this podcast.
0: I must be a lord.
1: Well, okay. Hang on. Let's see how this topic lady, topic ladies, topic ladies. That's not bad. You can. Okay. All right. You can be a topic lady. All
2: right. It's official.
1: Well, we we came up with a catchphrase last night, last episode. I can't remember now. What was it? It was something like we bring the topics. You bring the ears.
0: Okay, do we all have to say that in unison?
1: No, I, th- I just think I just ended the episode by saying that.
0: <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Good night.
1: Good night. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can discuss the episodes at the Topic Lords subreddit at r slash You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can find me on the Fediverse as mogwai underscore poet at mastodon.social. Also, I'm on Twitter. And you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early and get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.